Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Betfred Cup semi-finalists, second year running, Heart of Midlothian. It's the second podcast this week for me, Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. And for the second time in a week, we're talking about a Hearts win. Yeah, yeah. Delighted. Just... Just delighted just to see the Hearts fans um, celebrate at Easter Road and then celebrate after Tyne Castle. Um, I, I watched as much of the game as I could because I had an Italian game at the same time. So it's kind of difficult when you're meant to be commentating and paying attention. But for whatever reason, I went to the studio straight after my game and I was unable to gain access to the Hearts website. I only had Twitter. I followed the penalties on Twitter. My God, that's nerve-wracking. Oh, God. You're refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. But what, what a nice end. And when I when I compare our mood prior to the Hibs game, when we recorded the statement special last Friday, to now, yeah, we're in, we're in a good place right now, as far as results are concerned. Yes, yeah, so we will talk about the Hearts-Aberdeen-Betfred Cup quarter-final, quarter if I can get my words out, that took place on Wednesday evening, we're going to discuss some of your favourite Hearts possessions, a question that we put out to the listeners, uh, was it a couple of shows ago? I've almost lost count, but we had to have the statement special in between, so it kind of got put on the back burner, so we will revisit that topic, and we'll look ahead to Hearts' next match, which is away to St Mirren. So first up, the Betfred Cup quarter-final. Hearts go into this game on the back of a big derby win. And um, before we get stuck into it, let's listen back to some of the key moments uh, from the game. It will be Sam Cosgrove to take the penalty. Just under 11 minutes on the clock. Already looking for 12 goals for the season. The big Aberdeen striker scored against Dundee in the last round to send the Dons through. Can he give him the lead here? Steps up and he does so. Bottom right corner, and Sam Cosgrove opens the scoring at Tynecastle Park. Heart of Midlothian nil, Aberdeen one. Demure drills it in. Oh, it's a missed header. Pass from McLean. Surely one-one. It's one-one at Tynecastle. It's a horrific error in the Aberdeen box, and Stephen McLean celebrates in front of the Aberdeen support. The hearts are level. And it's the least they deserved on its first of the season for 37-year-old Stephen McLean. Hearts won, Aberdeen won. Well, I'm delighted for McLean. He, he needs a goal. There's no question about it. He needs a goal. And I'm absolutely delighted he's got one. Sam Cosgrove with a second spot kick and a chance to restore Aberdeen's lead. We've played just over 30 minutes at Tynecastle. He went bottom right last time. Will he go the same way? Will he go down the middle? Will he go the opposite side? Cosgrove steps up. He goes the opposite side, and Aberdeen are back in front. Mulraney still has it, right foot into the area. It goes up! It's 2-2! The Jumbo's at level again! And it's Craig Hawken and Aaron Time! And it's going to be Aidan Keener with a chance to send Hearts through to the semi-finals of the Betfred Cup for the second year. The young striker off the bench. Up he steps. Scores! The Jambos are heading through to the final four! 
Akira finds the top of the net. It's a clean sweep from penalties. 3-0 to Hearts. A dismal display from 12 yards from the Dons. But Hearts are heading, we believe, to the National Stadium. So that was the game. Hearts 2, Aberdeen 2 after 90 minutes and 120 minutes. Hearts, though, winning the penalty shootout by three goals to nil. Um, now, this was a game, Mark, where Hearts, you know, you wanted to go into it. We said the Derby win was great and we gave it a lot of coverage early in the week. But it's just one game, you know. It was important that we started the next game and, you know, we showed the home fans that it wasn't just um, a blip that we would have some confidence from that. And, um, I mean, Hearts started pretty much similar system to what they started with the Easter Road, back three, but Stephen McLean came in for Sean Clare, so really not too much to talk about in terms of the personnel that started. But the way the game started, <laughs> the tone was set with just over 30 seconds in when Uche powered forward and curled a shot towards goal, which crashed off the crossbar. And then about 60 seconds after that, Meshino found space smacked a shot in a goal, and that was palmed away. And even that, I mean, the slow starts we've seen from Hearts for so long, that was like a breath of fresh air in a big game against a pretty formidable opponent. Just to start that way, really got the fans up straight away. Great start. Really, really good start. Um, the, the underside of the bar denying Uche. But just how long have we have we been asking for this? A quick start. Take it to them. The old... The Tank Castle of old. The fans are right behind the team. And I, I believe from, from the bits I saw, I don't think Scott Wilson was at the game um, last night. He wasn't, the, no. No. So I, I don't know if there was a get behind the team or, or whatever, but even in his absence, they, they did him proud, the Hearts fans, cause, because they had something immediately to react to. Um, and we'll get on to, to the rest of the game uh, soon. But finally, a quick start at home. We've been after, after it for a while, but finally we got it. Just just a shame we didn't score, but we, we set the mood nice and early, which was pleasing. Yeah, it was it was an odd opening just over 30 minutes, so the first 30 to 35 minutes, because I thought Hearts were terrific, actually. It's one of the best spells we've seen from them in quite some time, especially against a top-flight club. Um, but then they found themselves behind, obviously, with a... And a sloppy bit of defending, better giving away the penalty. Sam Cosgrove, um, as well as he normally does, dispatching the spot kick. Um, and they got themselves back into it. Stephen McLean um, keeping his head, although it was an absolute calamity from Mikey Devlin at the back for Aberdeen. And then the second penalty, which was just, uh, I think I was almost literally pulling my hair out on, up in the press gantry when Demure went sliding in and gave Aberdeen the opportunity to go 2-1 ahead so just over 30 minutes in I thought the Hearts performance in the whole was very good but we found ourselves behind and it was really all of our own making There's always a danger when when you're trying to bounce back from something or to um, to build on something, to try a little bit too hard and, and weird things happen, I, I don't know what Demur's thinking because there's two types of penalties, there's the Stonewall variety that even the home fans accept, yeah, that, that's probably a penalty against us. And there's the one you're like, I can't believe he's given that. No, not especially the second one. It was like, what are you doing? Now he got his assist. All, all credit to him for the cross-in, which was messed up by uh, by Mikey Devlin. But again, it's 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 the response. And 
we can kind of fast forward because we made a couple of changes. Claire came on, Kina came on, and, and Morrison came on. So we kind of we knew we were having to throw the kitchen sink at them. Uh, but I thought the way we finished as well, putting Halka up front uh, and, and getting the goal, um, they, they had chances. They had one chance in particular to, to, to kind of put the tie beyond doubt, but they didn't take it, and, and we kept going. I like that. Yeah, if you break the game down into into thirds, if you want, to the 90 minutes anyway, it's odd because the first third of the game, Hearts were, I thought, by far the better side and found themselves 2-1 behind. So we lost the first third 2-1. For the second and the second and third, third of the game, so the hour that preceded that in normal time, I thought we ran out of ideas and I thought in the second half we were quite poor and Aberdeen were kind of... Um, keeping us out fairly comfortably. McInnes maybe went too defensive towards the end. He just kept putting on more defensive players uh, and going deeper and deeper. But we've really looked like we'd run out of ideas, in all honesty, but we ended up winning that 60-minute that spell or so, 1-0. Um, and it's one of these where it's a cup tie. Let's not overanalyze the fact that we were maybe bereft of creativity. But we kept going, and there was a real spirit about it. And like you say, putting Hulk up as the auxiliary striker... And credit to Mulraney because 92nd minute, you know, it wasn't a desperation. He didn't just hit it first time on his favoured left foot. He actually moved it onto his right, made the angle better. And he actually, whether he means to or not, but if he'd hit it earlier, Halkett wasn't in there. So he actually mm-hmm. gives players yep. an opportunity to get in the box. And we've criticised Mulraney quite a bit. And again, rightly so, because his delivery has often been poor after maybe some good work on the wing. But that time, he took his he took his time about it onto his weaker foot and put in a perfect cross. And yeah, credit to Halkett for getting in there, but when he gets in that position, what is he, five yards out? He's not going to miss that header. No, but it needs to be it needs to be the perfect cross. And it was. Bigger picture, I think what we've seen, first game of the season and also last night, there's not much between these two teams. No. Forget the form in between for a minute. Just analyse the two teams. No, not much at all. So Aberdeen are third, Hearts are eighth. Hearts were bottom of the table going into the derby. That, for us, Aberdeen are the benchmark. There's not much between the two teams. So, Derek McKenna said he's got one of, remember we spoke about this, he's, he's got one of the worst injury crises. He's, crises? Crises. Crises. <laughs> crises. He's got one of the worst injury injury situations that he has had at Pataudry. Um Yeah, we've got some too, but they're still third with that injury situation. So, again, there's no excuses. There's not much between the two teams. They are who we should be aiming to compete with, and they'll be there or thereabouts in third, and so should we, if we play to our potential with the players we have available. Extra extra time was um, probably symptomatic of the fact that two sides who played at the weekend, they'd had a grueling 90 minutes. It was a game of... Tired passes, tired moments. You kind of felt like if someone was going to win it in extra time, it was going to be from an error. Um, penalties did seem inevitable for most of it. And that's the way it went. Um, and <laughs> I have to say, I mean, you, you say penalties is a lottery, and there's a, a big degree of luck. And we said that during commentary. But my, oh my, the contrast between how bad Aberdeen's penalties were and how good Hearts were was, you know, night and day. I mean, especially I was shocked because Sam Cosgrove, usually so efficient with penalties, he'd scored two in the game. Maybe that's worked against him, I suppose, get us into your head. 
and Niall McGinn, you know, those are two players that you'd pick pick from the Aberdeen team and think, right, they're they're gonna be able to slot away a spot kick pretty well. But two god awful penalties to be honest. They're probably still floating somewhere around Gorgie at the moment. Um and in contrast, three brilliant penalties from Hearts and as much as you know, we talk about luck with penalty kicks. Craig Levine says that since semi- the semi-final from last year, Austin McPhee's been working on the team quite a lot on penalty kicks. Um, and it showed in that in that shootout. Three very confidently taken, well-dispatched spot kicks. It reminded me a bit of the, the Gretna penalty shootout. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. In the, not, not so much what Gretna did, but what we did. And there were certain players that stepped up and you're like, ooh, that's an interesting one. Uh, I remember Robbie stepped up and Presley, who'd taken a few penalties. But but last night, um, you could see they've, 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 they've worked on it, but it's, it's nerve as well. I think the biggest thing um, about that was it was the end it was taken um, because obviously they had uh, the, a big chunk of, <laughs> of, of the away end. It wasn't as much as, as uh, or it wasn't like you would see in a normal league game where they've kind of got the, 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 the two corner sections. But I think it was important that we ended up um, at that end but it's just weird, isn't it? How normally when a guy scores a first penalty, you think, well, is he going to take another one? Yeah, well, he, he did, and he, and he scored. He put it in the other corner. But then he takes a third. That is very, very rare um, for any player to take three penalties in the one game. So it was a, it was a shocker. Um, and Pereira saved one. They blasted two um, over the bar. And, yeah, just it's, it's great because... We're all right on penalties when it comes to shootouts. We've done all right. There have been we had issues last season. Remember, was it Naismith uh, missed a couple and and a few players missed penalties. But <laughs> Washington's missed one this season already. Yeah, he has. But I mean, I'm just I'm actually while while we're chatting, I'm I'm watching it back because I didn't think they could be as bad as I thought they were when I watched it last night. Aberdeen's penalties probably worse. Jesus. My my mum and dad's season ticket seats are in this middle section behind that goal, but top back row, just behind the uh, the hospitality. They could have caught a couple of the Aberdeen <laughs> penalties because they were dreadful. But our penalties were really good, re- really good, and I'm I'm pleased for Kina as well because that'll do him the power of good, um, just because ultimately he scored the goal that took Hearts through. And um, I'm gonna give myself a pat on the back because I was talking about. El Gato, um, which is Joel Pereira, and the fact that he is known as El Gato, the cat, for his ability to save penalties. And as he tipped that one in the post, I managed to get in there that El Gato clawed that one around Very the good. post. So I was, I was I was, quite pleased with myself there. Um, and you interest... don't have to look for plaudits, do you? I know, Goodness I know. Jeez, I'm sorry. You were um, brilliant, son. There, there you go, right? Thanks. Next. Thanks, I needed that. Um, <laughs> interestingly, though, you mentioned plaudits. Um, more plaudits should maybe go to the the young team behind the goal, which um, difficult to see them exactly from where I where I am. But I've heard that they were doing an almighty job of putting off the Aberdeen takers. Um, and apparently, one person actually had no top on and was rubbing his nipples behind the net. <laughs> As Aberdeen were taking their penalty kicks. Yeah, I need to have a, I need to have a wee gandero at this. Whether that's so this accu- is, uh, uh, <laughs> I've so read I'm, this, I'm looking yeah. I'm looking for someone rubbing their nipples here. Jeez. If my my wife doesn't know what website I'm on, I'm on the hearts one. If she if she's listening in, 
Jesus. <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get all sorts of questions, but let's have a look at this. So this is oh gee whiz, Cosgrove. No, it, it, it doesn't zoom in, but jeez, they're shocking because he, he's he's closed his body for his two penalties and he's taken them really well. He sent the keeper the wrong way on both. Why has he tried to change? And concurrently, the Hearts penalties, they're all not savable if the keeper goes the right way as well. Um, Whelan's penalty, Smith's penalty, Keena's penalty, they're all excellent. They've all got a... Oh, well, apart, apart from Whelan. Whelan's one is excellent. It's on the deck. But the other two have got a bit of height in them. Just, yeah, just, just good. And I'm... I, I was listening to the statement special because um, it was a long one. It took me a few trips to work back and forth to, to finish it off. And, and it was I, I said it during it was frustrating that we weren't talking more about one of the biggest games for Hearts that we all love, an Edinburgh derby. I love the fact we're just analysing penalties and wins and, and being able to bounce back. Again, the, the, the talk, we said what we said on Friday. It, it doesn't change our thought process. This is something now, and, and it's interesting listening back to the statement special because you're like, okay, what happens if we if we start to win? And I said I didn't know. No one knows the answer right now. It's a work in progress. But by God, it's good to talk about wins. And if we keep going, we'll not have to talk about the managerial situation. I'd like that. Since 1960, tweeted us saying, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. Kipling's words seem highly appropriate to Craig Levine's week, says since 1960. Um, I understand the, the sentiment, but I, I, as you say, Mark, I mean, we're going to give credit where it's due. I, I wouldn't say that we're maybe changing our opinion long term, but it's one no, of these but... things where well, there's no point in banging the drum constantly every week. If we're if the results are on the board and no one's making a change, you know, we're, we're not going to, you know, it, it's... It's pointless to constantly debate it. Yeah, and, and what I would say as well, I'm delighted for Craig Levine. I'm oh, yes. Absolutely yes. De de delighted for... I'm not petty. There, there are others um, who might be in the media who some may suggest have an agenda. Um, but I, look, I said in the previous podcast, there's no one more desperate for success for the football club than than Craig Levine, just because long-term, and, and we've said what we've said, and we might not think he he was the answer long-term, and, and who knows what the future lies. I'm not petty enough to, to kind of grudge him or it. I'm delighted for him. Couldn't be more delighted for, for him and for the backroom staff and, and for the players, because, as I've said, we would all have done what he did in, a, in that same position and the whole self-preservation, but that would have been a horrible place to be, no matter how thick-skinned you are, to be Craig Levine. Um, over the last couple of weeks, when the, the pressure has intensified. So, f for him, delighted, d delighted for him. And he, he can look forward. Now, I, I was going to say he can look forward to Hamden. Is it confirmed? We don't have the same situation as last year, and it was European um, games on the Thursday before, is it? Let me have a little look, because we don't want the shambok. Because ultimately, um, if there are European games in the, the, the week before, then they'll both be on the Thursday. Uh, let's have a little look and see, because that was a shambles last year. And I'm sure it would be the same in that it would be one would be at Murrayfield, one would be at Hamden if it was. But from what, I've, what I'm reading so far, I don't think there is going to be a conflict. Um, one will be Saturday and, and, and one will be, will be Sunday because 
What's the date for the League Cup semi-finals? Second and third of November. Uh, yeah, there's there's no um, there's no European the European games follow. No, okay, the, the that's League fine. Cup semi. So uh, yeah, so it's Hamden. It's, it's Hamden and Craig will get to go back to Hamden. Not a bad record. What's that? Three consecutive semi-finals. Mm-hmm. That, Certainly that is. We've been to. Now we need a bit of silverware. Now it's going to be difficult this year. Alan, uh, who's Aldo Scrim eighty nine, actually tweeted me um, saying, "This is my question: Do we focus on results over performance, knowing that a Levine team isn't built to play with style? Fans should be happy to win at any cost, is my view. Not that I want Levine to stay; just a thought I had post full time." Results for me, Laurie. Just now, let's get let's let's get us back on on an even keel. Um, so, to a degree, get... I think to a degree. Right now, short term results. But I want I, I want the, I want the football to be more attractive going forward. And I'm not talking about scintillating stuff. I'm just talking about better than it was prior to the Hibs game. Gary uh, commented on the website, mentioned a few things, um, talked about Craig uh, Craig about Glenn Whelan, who I think was superb again. Um, but interestingly, one quick point I'm going to mention of uh, Gary's because he had a couple of things was. Um, he thought, what do people think of the Iqpiezu-Washington situation? If they are ever fully fit at the same time, is it a lone striker chosen according to suitability against each opposition, or can they fit into the same team? Washington played as an inside left stroke second striker for QPR, but that may affect how Walker and Naismith are positioned. Again, a huge asterisk next to the phrase fitness permitting. Um, Interesting to mention that because I thought Uche was superb again um, against Aberdeen, and um, if he can continue that... It's going to be an interesting decision for Craig um, if and when he does have both his main strikers fit. And I think it's all down to form at the time as well. It's not, an, it's not a question that you can answer right now. I gave you the when everyone is fit, my 11 would be formation with Meshino, yep. Naismith and Walker behind Uche or Washington. Can they play together? Yeah, I think they actually complement each other pretty well because Uche does what Uche does. He's not going to run around the pitch. Uh, as much or not be required to when Washington plays. Washington can do that second striker role that he has done in his career. The last thing you want is to be pigeonholed into, well, they're a a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2 when it's not successful because people can work you out. So, yeah, it's form dependent, of course, but it's also an option to play two or to play one or to play one of them deeper. Um, I just hope that when they're both fit and they're both in form that we have that opportunity. Moving on, because we're keeping it nice and swift with this podcast, the second one of the week, um, I want to talk about favourite Hearts possessions, because we put this question out to the listeners and we got a decent response, but we had to put it on the back burner because of the the whole statement shenanigans. Um, so we'll go back to it now, and uh, I'll start with an email we received from David uh, Jardin, who emails saying, Hi, Laurie and Mark. My favourite family possession is a small digital clock my dad received at the 2006 Scottish Cup final. He had won a competition, entered in a pub on Gorgie Road and was a guest of tenants in a box with a meal and drinks with eight other winners from all around Scotland. And their host for this and in the company for the match was none other than Dennis Law. My dad is now 68 years old, so spending the afternoon with Dennis Law was great for him, talking about football in years gone by. I will also point out that my dad is a Queen of the South man, as he is originally from 
Lockerbie. He received the clock as a memento from Hamden, which has the date and teams, etc., all on it. Uh, what makes it special for me is that although my dad was lording it up with Dennis Law, I was at the match with my kids, uh, my three kids for the first cup final and two of my cousins, so it was a proper family day out. Um, we all travelled together, and after an unbelievable long day and penalty shootout, the cup was returning to Gorgie. It may only be a small digital clock, but it will always be a reminder of a great family day out. Regards, David. And he says, feel free to share that, and I'll put that on the Twitter page. It's just a small digital clock, but um, really cool memento, and it's often um, not so much about the value of the possession itself, but the memories associated with it. It's interesting that, and it's a really nice story, I'd like to see the clock. Fast forward six years, with the Edinburgh Derby final, mm-hmm. I have a moment, and it's not, I've got a lot of hearts mementos, as a lot of fans have. Again, this is it's nothing to do, I don't, it was a gift that was given away to some of the corporate, um, and my mum and dad, I got my mum and dad corporate tickets, I bought them corporate tickets back in 2012 for the cup final against Tabernian, and they were given uh, a little clock. It's a little silver clock with, uh, it's not digital, it's not like David's, David's clock. It's got the, the two hands and the face and, and whatever. Um, so, so what I did, and I've, it's, it's up there with everything else, I took the battery out and I set the time to 4.46 <laughs> because that was when the full-time whistle was. Yeah. Um, and it's stayed like that ever since. I took the battery out and that, that's the time. Just, just something daft that I did. But that, that continues the clock theme from a cup final involving hearts. Christian Valen, um, our friend from over in Norway, says his first ever hearts possession. Um, he got a signed letter and photo from Alan McLaren in the mail in 1991. Very nice. proud back then. Alan, Mc, Alan McLaren, not far from me now in, in Musselburgh. Uh, is that where Alan is? Do you know it, Alan? Um, I don't, but Jimmy knows him pretty well. Um, so yeah, I, he used to he, he used to do the Talk 107 stuff with us as well, and he actually he actually lived in Pennycook for a while, at the end of Bog Road, and that was Gaza's quiet getaway when Gaza was going through a lot of nonsense. Okay, Al, okay. Al, Alan and him were always big pals, still are. Um, I, oh, well, I, I think I've not seen Alan for a while, um, but Gaza used to to come to Pennycook and. Alan kept it all quiet, but Alan said that one day on on Talk One Hundred Seven. Really nice guy, Alan McLaren. Obviously, does a lot for Rangers now. He's, he does that there. the match day jolly yes, that ex players yes. get eyebrows. <laughs> that, that's how Jimmy and you went through, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Alan, yeah. Alan took us into the bar, and I had to remove my heart's jacket. Um, yes. Kyle says, and it's a aptly named Kyle, says, I've got Lafferty's top from the 4-0 Celtic victory, and I have oh, a Hearts nice. home top from when we played Barca at Murrayfield, um, which was in, had Ronaldinho and Eto and Toure, etc. Um, and they all signed it, so the players just mentioned, and Berra, um, and that was his first ever Hearts game, so that's a, that's a very that's good memento. Good. Here's, here's one that I really like. Um, it's just a bit different as well, from Sal, who says mm-hmm. he he has this speech from the Lord Provost would that the Lord Provost would have made if Hibbs had won the cup in 2012, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is on. I can post that on the Twitter page as well. Um, I can read it to you if you want. Why not? Um, so this is obviously when Hibbs <laughs> won in 2012. Yeah, right. Um, Mr. Petrie, Hibernian Football Club, honoured guests, I'm delighted to be part of this historic occasion 
not only for the club themselves, but also for the city of Edinburgh. I'm sure everyone here today will echo our sincere congratulations to the club and also to each and every player. This is the third time the Hibs have won the Scottish Cup, first in 1887 and 1902 and now in 2012. They have a long and impressive history of sport, pff, uh, sporting achievements in this city and it's an honour to see the Cup sitting here today. The support of the citizens of Edinburgh has been outstanding and overwhelming. Then there's a handwritten part that I can't quite see. Um, I would also like it's, to... It's from, it's from Eric Milligan. Get it right up you. <laughs> I would also like to give our commiserations to hearts. Both teams have been and are sporting ambassadors for the city. The sun will definitely be shining on Leith today. <laughs> it would maybe be funny if they hadn't actually won it four years later. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, so they've they've won it since we have. That reminds me of 2012, obviously the cup final. But the night before, I'd booked the Gorgi suite um, for our kind of not our wedding, but our our party for for because we got married in the states. We never really had a party over here, so that was our party. So I booked it well in advance, spoken to Graham Pacitti, and got the Sodexo catering and, and whatever, and. It wasn't going to be in use that weekend because there was obviously no plans because it was unlikely that Hearts were going to be in the cup final. Um, and this was done either prior to the semi or prior to the quarter final. I think it was earlier in the year. And then ultimately it turned into what, what was the best weekend ever, given the, the ceremony uh, or the party on the Friday night and then the cup final on the Saturday. But Stotty showed up. Grant Stott showed up, a good friend of mine from fourth. And he, he brought with him some Hibernian... Scottish Cup winners 2012 <laughs> t-shirts. He refuses to say where they are now. I would like to get one. That would, a be a, memento. that would be a good memento. On the back of that speech, apparently, is um, the draft of the speech that was actually given. Um, it, Simi says, 1998 Cup winner strip signed by Jim Jeffries with a picture below of um, John Robertson on top of Col Colin Cameron's shoulders. Uh, nice memento and Good to see that Jim Jeffries was at the game. Yeah, uh, looking really Aberdeen. well. Yeah, looking really... I, I can believe when someone said he was at the game. I kind of been long out of the hospital as well, but really good to see that he was in good spirits, and I'm sure he would have enjoyed it as well. What's your memorabilia, your heart's memento or keepsake that's most special to you? Uh, well, I mean, I kind of said before that I do, I do like the um, Brilliant shirt that I've got which was given to me by the player himself, Match Warren um, on it, from a more personal note, one thing that I did for the 2012 Cup Final, now um, this is probably a similar story to a lot of Hearts and Hibs fans, my dad is a Hearts fan and that's where I get it from but his dad, my granddad, was actually a Hibs fan um, and as it was back then, so the 50s when my dad first got taken to the football people went to the home games, they didn't travel to away games so Hearts fans would um, often go to Easter Road when Hearts were away and vice versa. So my granddad took my dad to Easter Road first, but when Hibs were away, he would take him along to Tynecastle. And this is famous five era, but my dad just said for, for whatever reason, he just preferred the, preferred the games at Tynecastle. He preferred Tynecastle, preferred Hearts. And as he got older and went himself, he decided to go the way of the maroon half of Edinburgh, thankfully for me. But what I did in the 2012 Cup Final, um, my granddad had sadly passed away by that point, but I got a custom badge created, which was a, a kind of amalgamation of traditional hearts and Hibs badges. So it wasn't like a, what it was a, I put the Dunsire family um, underneath it. So the Cup Final, and I put my granddad's name and his um 
update uh, year of birth and year of death under it as well so although it was heart tips final i wore a kind of a salute to my hip supporting grandfather who would have been watching down and you know what if we'd lost it that's probably what i would have thought i would have been absolutely devastated but i said you know what for him i'll, I'll accept it and well, you know, four, four years later he he would have been smiling down. I'm, I'm glad he wasn't smiling that day. Yes, I am too, to be fair. And funnily enough, he bought me my first ever bit of hearts anything. He got me a hearts polo shirt when I was quite young. So my hip supporting granddad actually gave me my first hearts piece of um, of anything. So it's, ve- it's very difficult when you've been a supporter for as long as, as we have. And obviously there's, there's people who've been heart supporters for much longer than, than I've been. To pick your kind of favourite thing, whether it's a programme or or whatever, it, it's difficult. Um, my grandfather used to be the deputy head at Tynecastle High School and used to sneak my mum into Tynecastle um, through the back. I'd, he'd park in the in Tynecastle High School on a Saturday. and Because, funnily enough, he used to... I can't remember the name of the school. My mum told me this. But he used to, to, to be the headmaster of a school on Easter Road. My mum and, and my mum was always brought up as was my dad as a Hearts fan. So I've got one or two mementos of, of my my grandfather who died sadly before I was born, but was a massive Hearts fan. So I've got one or two things from him to to do with Hearts. The the jersey, my first Hearts jersey was I used to wear it as kind of pajamas, and it was I now know the story. I think I might have mentioned it once before. So it's it's the 1984-85 jersey, which has a patch over it where the sponsor was and it's got a MITA, M-I-T-A, who became our sponsor. So it transpires that for the this strip was used for the reserves. It's got the number 10 on the back. So it was the number 10 jersey from 84-85. Uh, I don't doubt there were many. I think it was probably only one or maybe a couple. Um, but then it became the number 10 jersey for 85-86 reserves. So it's not like today it's worn by, I've got a few jerseys through there that have been worn by various Hearts players because it's their squad number. This And I've looked through London Hearts. It was worn by a lot of players, um, the number 10 jersey in 84, 85. And then, of course, the reserves, no idea. But that was always my first. And a pair of Andy Bruce goalkeeping gloves. Andy Bruce used to be Henry Smith's backup. And his mum worked beside my father, in the the police at St. Leonard's and gave him a uh, a pair of Andy's goalkeeping gloves to give to me one day. Just just weird things. It probably doesn't mean anything to, to anybody else. I know Gary Cowan's got a lot of, of <laughs> memorabilia. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. You could have a whole podcast about what he's got. Uh, if he doesn't have it, you could argue it's, it's not really worth having from a Hearts perspective, certainly where programmes are, because he's an unbelievable collector. Well, we should maybe put um, someone else in touch with Gary, because Gavin Aitchison got in touch and said he rashly decided many years ago to try and get every single programme from the 97-98 Scottish Cup, all ties, not just Hearts. He has 53, and he's only got one to go. Do we know what that one is? Montrose against Cowdenbeath replay in the first round. Now, is that because there was, wasn't a program? Well, that's what I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I got the tweet, but interesting. That What a frustration that must be. Um, but I'm sure... Look, Gavin might have already followed it up. He might have got in touch with... Because, I mean, my first port of call would be to get in touch with, I guess, Montrose and see if they can dig it out. But interesting. So uh, I don't want to go into it too much just now, but like, I, I th- this, one could, this one could have more... Uh, 
more to it. Let's let's see if we can let's see if we can help Gavin out. Um, Montrose against Cowden Beath replay. Nineteen. Oh, you don't, don't, don't try and find it just now. Um, I found it. Here it is. I'll sell it for fifty pence. <laughs> but we'll go back to that. But um, I don't want to spend too much longer on this. But there's another couple I want to look through. A bit of the, bit of the more, um, bit of the more unique one. So Tomahawk Kid sent a picture, and this looks like it's a, it's a garden fence with a street sign. It just says Tyne Castle. And he says, that's mine, the original council sign, liberated a very long time ago. Now, that's pretty cool. In his garden, like tiny castle that's really cool. sign. That's like really that. Very cool. Um, and finally, um, <laughs> this is possibly my favourite, um, from Thomas Crook, Media Solutions, um, also known as Watson Brown. Um, it's a Wilkinson sword razor, a protector. Um Fully branded, Heart of Midlothian Football Club, it says down one side on the packaging, Heart's badge on the other side of the packaging, it's all maroon, and at the base of the razor it has another little Heart's badge. Where where on earth do you get that? Probably in a pharmacy. A Heart's branded Wilkinson Sword Razor. Well, there must have been a spell where there was loads of them, surely. I mean, it sounds weird now. But they must have done some sort of sponsorship thing. Oh, I I'm sure obviously there's a reason for it. It's just just seems bizarre. To, you know, it's not even the type of thing you'd expect to see with a major, you know, global football club on it, unless you're going to go and dig out some of the old things from their club shop. It just seemed bizarre. Okay. It's... You were expecting a better response from me, weren't you? I was. You disappointed me. Well, you're not old enough to shave, so this whole excitement about getting your first Wilkinson sword and, and, and whatever. I've, I've seen the attempts at the bum fluff. Come on, son. Me, going to bum fluff, at least the only bum fluff I have is on my face. <clears throat> right, okay. Okay, who'd have thought it? We fall out over, not hearts and anything like that, but yeah, okay. Um, okay anyway so thank you to everyone for getting in touch and, and giving us quite a bit of memorabilia there's a lot more but um, we've already waffled on for 40 minutes earlier in the week so um, we don't want to keep you too long um, but again a good topic and thank you for your contributions Okay, before we wrap up, very quickly, let's look ahead. Hearts travel to Paisley this weekend to play St Mirren in the Premiership. And we're looking to build on, I guess, the momentum that we've gathered over the last two matches. Um, St Mirren going to this game, if you look at their last three matches, they've lost to Livingston, lost to Ross County, and drawn at home to 10-man Hamilton Ackies. But Hearts have actually beaten St Mirren once in the last four attempts, twice in seven, and we haven't won away to them since the Scottish Cup run of 2012. Now, I know, Mark, you said it's all about results just now. That's solely it. I want a bit more in this game because the last two results were huge, but they could have gone different ways if Halberg had buried that chance to make it 2-0 Easter Road and if we hadn't got that final chance against Aberdeen. So it's still fine margins. I want to see Hearts dominate a game. Now, I don't necessarily mean I want to see us win 4-0, but I just wanted to see us be clearly the better side on Saturday 
and win convincingly. I say not necessarily the score. I'm not saying I expect us to win by three or four, but I just want to see a, a performance from you like that was really good. That we've 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 got two confidence building results and we've went into a game and no disrespect to St. Mirren, but we have much better players than them, and we've went into that game and we've played with confidence in those players and you know and we've let them express himself and we've maybe scored a couple of goals too soon i would suggest oh come that. on come on no no but, but seriously we've gone from this is this is atrocious the manager's got to go to, to suddenly oh we've got much better players than them we should be we should be beating them comfortably no but we were no. we were saying that when we were saying he should go and we're not we're not suddenly saying that all is rosy because we got two results. No, no, I, but... I, I get that, but but what I'm saying is we we can't just expect because we've won on penalties against Aberdeen and we've we've beaten a poor Hibs team at Easter Road to suddenly go out and smash um, St Mirren because I don't I think it'll be scrappy. I don't think it'll be a, a, a much of an attractive game to watch. Um, they're biting and scratching right now. A nil nil against Hamilton Ackies who were hard to to beat. They lost at Ross County. They lost at Livy. And Rangers found it tough there as well. I think we'll find it tough. I think we'll win because, yes, we've got better players, but I think we, we now have a bit of momentum. But I wouldn't, I'm not at that stage yet where I'm getting greedy and I want a good performance as well as a result. I'm, I'm happy with a scrappy 1 0. This is about momentum building. Um, you get three wins back to back to back, then you talk about perhaps putting on a, a show to an extent against Kilmarnock with, with players to come back. Then you've got Rangers in the first game after the international break, hopefully with more players to come back. This is a this is building blocks. This is one at a time. This is uh, starting at square one in Snakes and Ladders. You're trying to get us to square 100 in as quick a time as possible. Understandably so. I, I, I get that. And St. St. Mirren are just a, they're a, they're a bunch. And they, they're going to have to start fighting sooner rather than later because they're now below us in the table. So I don't think we can expect just to go there, try and... We'll try and play some nice football. I don't think it'll be that type of game. I'd take a scrappy 1-0 and I'd take another win right now. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You're behaving like a little diva today. <laughs> I'm fed up with you. We've had two, two shows. Come on. Just... Oh, I know. It's like husband and wife. <laughs> right. Um. Okay, well, that's about that. I mean, do we want to put any homework out there? You come up with it this time. I'm always working hard on this podcast you just sit there and be fun okay um your best ones are the ones that are off the cuff okay well right okay so we talked briefly about memorabilia and we went on to you know some random things you know like the razor so if you were to create if you were to create some hearts related product what would it what would it be and how would you market it so you know we're expecting maybe a bit of a bit of humour in how you do it. So it could be any kind of household product or clothing line or I don't you know, whatever you want. Be creative. I'm just I'm just thinking and it's based on I, I don't know who first came up with the answer. I would I'd create Hart's toilet paper and I'd sell it to my hips mates. <laughs> do you remember when Napoli sold toilet paper with Higuain's That's what I knew. I knew there was a precedent for this. Yeah, just some, just something, something like. That. That's a good question. Have you got something in mind? I, I don't. You put me on the spot. I'd have to think about it. But yeah, it's hearts. So some hearts-related products. Something a product okay. line you could develop, and what would it be? Why? And you know, how would you market? What would the tagline be? 
there you go. There's some homework for you off the cuff for next week uh, when we will talk about St Mirren against Hearts. We'll we'll talk about that and I don't know. Now I've just got to think of what song I'm going to put at the end. What about a Jamie Mole jigsaw? Are oh, you, you, you stop thinking about it now? Save it for next Why? week. Why? I'm do, I'm just what? What about a Jamie Mole jigsaw? Because why? Come on. I don't know. Because he always went to pieces in the box. I'm crying out loud. <laughs> you are such a little bitch today. <laughs> had enough right i'm going um Bye. thank you thank you for tuning in for the second time still here. Um, if you're still here that is of course and we'll see you next I week am. bye 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 <laughs> you first no you hang up